The text for this sermon, the theme of which is being well-grounded, is Matthew chapter 13, it's verses 19 through 23. Here Jesus explains his parable of the sower and the seed. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the paths. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the text. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, peace, and mercy be to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. If you were to ask an electrician if he was well-grounded, his perception might be quite different than that of a farmer. He may immediately think about the importance of being protected from shock or even electrocution while working with high voltage. The farmer may think about, say, the quality of the soil within which he plants his seed and its effect on the quality of the harvest as well. Now, I wonder how Jesus would respond if one were to ask him what it means to be well-grounded. Well, actually, we have a good idea of his concept of being well-grounded here in our text, which is an explanation of a parable he spoke about a farmer sowing seed. And like so many of Jesus's parables, this one was taken from a common method of planting with which his hearers would be very familiar. Whenever a person planted a field, he would walk along, taking seed out of a sack that was thrown over his shoulder, and then he would toss the seed as he went. And during this sowing process, seed could fall along the beaten path uh, next to the, uh, or even in the field, or fall upon some rocky ground connected to the field somehow, or even get intermingled with weeds usually along its kind of its outer parameters, all as he was sowing the seed, which was also falling on the field. Jesus used each of these ground conditions to describe the reception of what he refers to as the word of the kingdom. The parable is meant to make you think about how well-grounded you are spiritually. The people to whom Jesus was speaking 
were people of the kingdom. The kingdom of Israel, which Yahweh had established and through whom he would send their Savior from sin. They were people of faith in Yahweh, the Lord, the living Lord of heaven and earth. Now they needed to be people of faith in Jesus. And thus, it was Jesus who appeared to fulfill Yahweh's promises that he had given to them in the Old Testament. Thus, John the baptizer, the last of the Old Testament prophets, who appeared to reveal Jesus as the Messiah, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, that's where the people of the kingdom lived, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven was at hand because Jesus was there to fulfill all righteousness and all the kingdom's promises. When Jesus appeared publicly to fulfill these promises of Yahweh, he also began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's important to remember that the reign of God is not primarily a place. Rather, it is the divine action that occurs where Jesus is through his words and his deeds. I'll say it again. The kingdom of God is the divine action that occurs where Jesus is through his words and deeds. And since Jesus came to deal with sin and Satan once and for all, to present you to God holy, blameless, and righteous, recognizing your sin and confessing it in accountability to God and confessing Jesus as Lord in this kingdom is primary. And such a humble heart of trust in the person and the work of Jesus will receive the word of the kingdom, that is, the good news of the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation, eternal salvation that comes only in Jesus the Christ. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. So, how well grounded are you as a child of God, baptized into Christ? Being well grounded is directly connected to your re reception of the gospel of the kingdom through which the Holy Spirit creates and sustains your faith in Christ for eternity. And as you hear that word, though, there are many dynamics which will work to hinder you from listening to its meaning for your life. In verse 19 of our text, Jesus put forth first the work of the evil one, the devil, who is present wherever that word is proclaimed right now, too. He comes and he snatches away the gospel which has been sown in the heart of unbelief and doubt. This is a picture of the seed that was sown along the path, that fell along the path. 
The devil is constantly attacking Christ in you, tempting you to view God's Word on your own terms, with your own understanding, rather than by faith. This happens when you approach God's Word, say, kind of like in an academic fashion, like it's some kind of textbook of information of which you need to take control. That's what teachers expect out of you as a student as you're dealing with the textbook, is to master that material and take control of it. This also happens when you approach God's Word as the devil tries to snatch the Word from your heart before it takes root by submissive faith to Christ Jesus. He wants you to approach God's Word by refusing to listen to sound doctrine which is in accordance with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tempts you to have itching ears so that you would accumulate for yourselves teachers to suit your own passions turn and turn away from listening to the truth and then wander off into all kinds of myths about spirituality and God and so forth. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7 describes such people as always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, which is only yours through faith in Jesus the Christ. James 4, verses 6 through 7, speaking about repentance and faith, says this says that God gives grace, more grace in Jesus Christ. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Why? Why will he flee? <laughs> because he's a defeated enemy. Jesus has already defeated him for you. Another dynamic which works to hinder your listening to the word of the kingdom, that is the gospel, is described in verses 20 and 21 of our text. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is describing another satanic deception. Hearing the word of God only on a feeling level. It can be very deceiving because it has the feel of deliverance in the midst of trying circumstances and it even feels like conversion. You know, many people experience this when they find themselves in trouble for the poor choices that they've made in their life. Poor choices, by the way, which has humbled them. And in their search for deliverance, they turn to God, many times even reading their, His Word. However, since it is motivated by a desperation to regain control, in life, rather than 
motivated by sorrow over their sins and repenting, trusting in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it cannot take root in their heart. Once deliverance is experienced with joy, accompanied by the demand for obedience to God's word, it's time to leave God's word, worship, leave his sacraments, and so forth, all behind. True faith strives to let the gospel take root by being nourished through hearing it proclaimed and worshiping with others to dispense and to receive God's grace in the sacraments and to seek to walk by the Spirit as His fruit is produced in you. It's not based upon how you feel, but rather who you are in Christ. As 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Another dynamic which works to hinder you from listening to the word of the kingdom that is the gospel is described in verse 22 of our text. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This describes how the temptation to idolatry is constantly placed before you by the world and your own sinful desires. Now, it is very easy to fall into this idolatry because you have to deal with making a living and making life happen and making a standard of living in this world every single day. However, the desire of the sinful human nature is insatiable. In its pursuit for satisfaction and contentment of the world, in a world that's not built to give it, the Word of God can be ignored, even totally driven out of your life so that the idolatrous heart hinders its fruitfulness. So contrasted to these ground conditions, Jesus places before us the seed that was sown on the good soil in verse 23 of our text. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. Now, the understanding of God's word to which Jesus was referring here is not some kind of academic process. The understanding to which he's referring to is trusting in Christ as your Savior, as your Redeemer, grounded in the written word of God from the Scriptures. Being well-grounded is experiencing what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, when he said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You hunger and thirst to be righteous before God. You hunger and thirst to be forgiven of all of your sins. That's why you're here. You hunger and thirst for God's word 
to be revealed in you, that is, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin, so that in Him you might become the righteousness of God. Your hunger and thirst to live righteously in the daily vocations and relationships in your life. And your hunger and thirst to grow in grace and be well-grounded in the person and the work of Jesus for eternity. The gospel continues to be sown in your life and in your heart. It happens in worship where you hear it read and proclaimed and given in the sacraments. Here, by the way, in this place, at this address, on Sunday morning at 8 and 10, and Wednesday night at 7, you receive something, one thing that the world out there cannot give you, and you can only get it here. You can't get it in the world. You see, here you receive the one thing the world cannot give because you receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You receive the forgiveness of your sins. You receive the gospel sown in the soil of your heart and that's been made good soil by the Holy Spirit. And through it, the Holy Spirit, through it, the Holy Spirit then bears fruit in your daily life in service to your neighbors and through you, sowing the seed of the word of the kingdom among them as well. Amen. Let us rise. I close with 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, which says this. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.